Hey, listen, we, we have a really great day this morning. We're going to take up our tithes and offerings at the very end and give some announcements as well at the very end and, and uh, lots of announcements today. But uh, this morning we have uh, Pastor Bob. I love it. I'm sorry. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we have Pastor Bob with us this morning, and uh, he's with us every morning now, not just this morning. <laughs> but Bob's going to be sharing the word today, and we're really thankful and excited. Come on up here, Bob. Yeah. So, Jesus, we just bless Bob, and uh, we pray that every word that comes from his mouth is straight from heaven. Nothing of Bob, nothing of his own cleverness or ingenuity. And we pray that you minister to hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm not that clever anyway. I don't know what I'm doing. Hmm. Nobody told me that we're going to have a new camera, HD and all that good stuff. Well, this week, as I was asking God, man, what, what do you want me to share? And God wanted me to tell my testimony. And I thought, man, I've preached that so many times. <laughs> it was the first sermon I ever preached. Um, I got my call to ministry, and, and two weeks later, some, a pastor called me and said, I want you to preach at my church. I was scared to death. Um, but anyways, but he reminded me that our testimony is, is the most powerful thing we've got. Is something that nobody can ever take away from us. And, and so I said, all right. And, and this morning has really solidified what God wants to do. So um, I wasn't raised in the church. Um, we were kind of had a family that, that we had a, an unspoken motto that the family that drinks together stays together. We partied. We had a good time. And... Uh, and well, it was a good time at the time, anyways. And I didn't know who Jesus was. I believed in God. And I thought, well, if I believed in God and I was good enough, I'd get to heaven one day. And uh, I didn't know anything about who Jesus was. And I, I started a business in, in northern Michigan. And I moved up, and Jamie and I had just started dating. And she had found the Lord um, just before we started dating. And she kept trying to get me to go to church, and there's no way I was going to church. I just said, no, I don't want anything to do with church. I don't want anything to do with the people in the church. It's, it's a, they're hypocrites. They're all the, all the good, you know, all the good things that people say about the church. And she'd try to sneak me into the church by saying, hey, there was a barbecue at my cousin's house. And I said, well, who's your cousin? He's, Brian, and I said, well, who's Brian? The pastor. I said, no, I'm not going to the barbecue. She would, she would not leave me alone. <laughs> she would not leave me alone. So I finally one day just, and I don't even know why I said this to myself, but I said, if, if I'm ever going to shut her up, I'm going to go to church once, and she can't say I'll never go to, I'll just never, I'll never go again, and she'll be satisfied, and I'll say I don't like it, and I'm not going to go again, and we'll be done. That's what I thought. <laughs> So I showed up at the church, and something happened. I can't, even, I can't even begin to even explain what happened, even now today. And that was, 
14, 15 years ago. God gripped my heart, and I didn't even know what it was. The pastor called me out in the middle of the church, and he made a fool of, you know, I mean, I just, he made me, he embarrassed me. He said if I ever hurt Jamie, he was going to beat me up. And, and I'm like, he's, yeah, he said he was, he was going to bury me in the ground. But I thought, man, I didn't, I didn't want to go back. But I knew something happened. So I, I skipped church the following week. And I thought, I'm like, I'm not going back. And for some reason, I went back again. You'll notice through my story, there's a lot of things that I did that I don't have explanations for whatsoever. But I went to church again, and, and I never stopped going. And God began to change my heart, and he began to show me things. And uh, Jamie and I, we were getting married in um, April of 2015. And the week before our wedding, we had our last counseling session with the pastor. What are you shaking your head for? Mm -hmm. Anyways. <laughs> and, or not 2015, 2005. Here I see I'm arguing with my wife. <laughs> I screw up my own testimony. I don't even know. <laughs> April 2005. So the weekend before, we sat down at, my, at the pastor's uh, kitchen table, and we had our last counseling session. And he asked me if I wanted to accept Jesus as my Savior. And I thought to myself, if I didn't say yes, he wouldn't marry us the next week. So I said yes. And I had, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I thought, I thought what are we going to do? Are we going to say a ritual? Are we going to have to go do an obstacle course? I mean, these are literally things that went through my mind. I think I'm going to have to jump through fire. I think I'm going to have to do something really weird. And we prayed, and we got done, and I didn't feel any different. I didn't feel anything different. We got married. I wasn't changed. I wasn't different. I still partied on the weekends, went to church on Sunday, partied throughout the week, went to church on Sunday, and then our pastor looked at me and my cousin. My cousin and I had never been on any kind of trip. We never do anything without alcohol. I was a little problem with alcohol, if you haven't noticed yet. <laughs> he said, you want to go on a fishing trip? We were like, yeah, we like a fish. We'll go on a fishing trip. And before we knew it, we didn't know what we actually agreed to. And he, he's like, we, we thought about it afterwards. We literally had this discussion afterwards going, what did we just say yes to? We are going to go on a fishing trip to Canada. And uh, we're going with the pastor and his son. And we don't even know, I mean, what are we going to do without alcohol? What are we going to do without, I mean, how are we going to keep our mouth straight? How are we not going to swear in front of the pastor? How are we going to, now we're going to be there for four or five days with him, uh, day in, day out. And uh, somehow we've got to get through this. So we... We went on this fishing trip, and oh my, was it amazing, let me tell you. We went on this fishing trip. We first got to the fishing trip. We got on the island. There was about eight to ten other men there. There was a whole other group that was, that was there already, and they were sitting around this fire. They gave us all this food. We thought this was really nice. They had fish for us. They had fresh, you know, fresh potatoes and all that kind of stuff, and we sat down around this fire, and they started discussing Jesus, and they just started saying, we want everybody to tell their testimony. And I'm like, oh, man, I have nothing. I got nothing. And I listened 
to 10 guys tell how, I mean, these were men. These were like, these weren't just wimpy guys. These were men. And they sat around this fire and they each said how Jesus had changed their life and how much they love him and how much he loves them. And my, I mean, I would just, I was going through an inner struggle because I'm sitting there going, these are guys. I mean, I'm thinking to say I love you to anybody. People in the church were already starting to tell me they love me and I'm thinking, you're crazy, you don't even know me. And they're sitting there just saying how much Jesus had changed them and how much they love him. And, and I, I began to see things a little clearer. And, and when it came around to me, I don't remember what I said. I lied. I did something. Uh, I made it sound good. I really did because I didn't know what to say. And I thought if I couldn't be honest, so I lied, <laughs> which is great, right? <clears throat> so we got, we got done with all of that, and, and my heart was just, it was just stirring. And long story short for that fishing trip, I came back a different man. I mean, I encountered God in, in such a real way. It was absolutely, I mean, it, 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 it wrecked me in such a good way. And I'd like to tell you that I got everything right after that, but I didn't. I was a lot like Peter. I, I identify a lot with Peter in the Bible just because, man, he does a lot of stuff that I like Pete. <laughs> he didn't get it right the first time either. <clears throat> but I began to change things. I remember we, I had a business, a granite marble business at the time, and I remember driving down the road throwing CDs out my car window. Um, it was probably not the most great thing to do, but I was throwing CDs out of my car window. I was just wanting to get rid of things out of my life. And God was changing my heart and my mind so, so amazingly. And uh, shortly after we got back, um, my pastor and his wife said, you're going to sing on the worship team. I'm like, man, I don't want to sing on the worship team. But I'm like, all right, I'll sing on the worship team. So I started singing on the worship team. Yeah, I know, I did a lot of things I didn't want to do. I told you, I don't know how I got to anywhere I got to. I started singing on the worship team, and, and it wasn't bad. I just kind of stood, stood on the end, and there were, I don't know, four other people on the stage. It wasn't a big deal. And then about two months into that, they said, you're going to lead worship and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's just crazy. I can't, I didn't think I could sing. I didn't think I had a voice. I certainly didn't have the spiritual life that the, worst, the current worship leader, which is the pastor's wife. And uh, so lo and behold, like two weeks later, I was leading worship. And <laughs> I was horrible. <laughs> I was horrible. I don't even... I think, yeah, horrible. Yeah. If there's other words, it was bad. It was bad. And uh, I, was, I was doing this business, and the business was failing, and, and uh, the business failed, and then we, I moved into a, a job in, uh, in an office, and there was a shop, and I oversaw that, and old ways started kind of creeping back in, and I started doing things behind my wife's back, and... and things were not looking good. And I was leading a worship team and I was doing all this stuff and, and uh, I didn't feel like I could get honest or real with anybody. And in September of 2006, 
I, uh, we, had a, we had a baby. We had two other daughters. And then we had a baby on the way. And I lost my job. They fired me, just, I mean, just like that. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I went home that day. And I remember just being at a complete, total desperation and loss. And I think that was, truthfully, the first time I ever really got real with God. I remember getting on my knees in my basement and crying out to him and, and just telling him, I can't continue to do it this way anymore. I can't. I'm doing everything on my own strength. And that was at the point where I think, I believe wholeheartedly that God sanctified me. He filled me with his spirit, and things got a lot easier after that. And about two months after that, I got my call to ministry. And, uh, and, and about two months after that, I started school. And I, and I, I went head in, and I just, I just dove into it. And, and I wasn't getting everything right, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I just knew I needed to follow God and do what he was asking me to do. And man, was it, a, it was sometimes a mess. And uh, sometimes it was glorious. And, and I started the module program, and, and, then, and then the Lord called me in to get me a bachelor's degree, and I got my bachelor's degree, and, and, and I'll get my master's and doctorate eventually, and all that kind of stuff. But the biggest thing that, for me, was that I had to learn that I can't do it on my own. I mean, I had to learn that, that no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much strength I put in, no matter how much effort I gave, unless I was going to just give it all to God, nothing was going to change. And, and man, I've tried it on my own constantly. I mean, I was just one of those, I'm going to drop it, and then I'm going to pick it back up. And I'm going to drop it, and I'm going to pick it back up. And, until I really dropped it and just left it there. Man... And I tell you what, life's not easy. I mean, life doesn't get easier. The problems don't go away. They don't go away. And sometimes I think they get a little harder. <laughs> but the, the price, it seems like a lot when you're doing it. But man, when you look back and go, it's not really, well, what was I going to do with all that anyways? I mean, I literally woke up one day and, and, and God took my thirst for alcohol away. You know, I mean, literally just gone. And I've never desired another drink. It's been, how, I mean, I don't know how many years it's been. 13, 14 years. Um, there's a lot of verses and a lot of scripture in the word that, that have changed my life and shaped me. But I, I don't think there was ever a chapter that, that changed me the most except for Romans chapter 8. And man, I read that and I'm like, come on. <laughs> I, I remember, this is kind of a, for, for ministry students, don't do this. When I, I was meeting with the, the ministry board of credentials and there's, there's eight pastors, eight elders sitting in a room, district superintendent, and they're asking me about my life and asking me about how things are going. And I'm always, every time I went into the room, I was always intimidated. It was like your heart is just beating out of your chest. You get your lump in your throat. And uh, they asked me, what is, what's the scripture that spoke to you the most over the last year? 
And I said, Ephesians chapter 8. And it was quiet. And our pastor looked at me and he says, Bob, he says, my Bible, Ephesians only has six chapters in <laughs> it. Did you mean to say Romans chapter 8? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. They got a good laugh out of it. But I thought, man, I'm going to get kicked out of here. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Man, I want, I want you to turn there if you would. It's so intimidating to have a camera. Man. Romans chapter 8. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read through it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on. Isn't that, isn't that the, the number one lie the enemy likes to tell us? That, that God can't possibly love us for because of what we've done? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. There are zero restrictions on the freedom and the the ability that we have in Christ. Amen? For what the law could not do, weak as it was to the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit... In the previous chapter, <laughs> I love what Paul writes about. It's a, I do the things that I don't want to do. I do the things that I hate. You know how many times in my life I've sat there and done the things that I didn't want to do or the things that I hated, and I kept looking at myself and going, man, why do I keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? Why? It's because I didn't submit. It's because I didn't, I didn't lay it down at his feet and say, God, you have control of my life. I kept picking it up. I kept thinking, well, I could do this on my own. I'm pretty strong. I'm kind of smart. I can do I've got a degree. I can do this. Somebody told me how to be a pastor. I'm good. <clears throat> For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. Come on, there, there is no way that we could submit ourselves to God by our own accord. That's right. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Man, when I read that, it crushed me. Because I thought, if I do this, if I lead worship, if I sound good, if I read my Bible, if I pray, if I meet with people, if I do this, that's going to please God. He's going to be happy with me. And not if I'm not doing it because he told me to do it. If I'm doing it just to do it because I want to look good or if I think that's all what I should do. I remember, I remember there was a time where I went and prayed. I walked the city that I lived in at the time. I walked every business downtown and I prayed with every business owner. And I thought, man, I was doing good. That's awesome. And God said, but I never asked you to do that. He says, I had something else for you. 
I did it because I felt like I needed to. I felt like, well, it sounds good. I ought to do it. As Christians are supposed to pray, I was just ticking a box. Verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And here, with the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Come on. If the spirit of the one that lived and rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, the power that's available, there's no limits, there's no restrictions. If that doesn't excite you, I mean, come on. You have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. Come on, church. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. One of the hardest things for us to realize is we're his kids. We're his. We're the apple of his eye. (laughs) I mean, come on. We were created for him. (laughs) The The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. All that's God is ours. All that belongs to his is is us. It's all available to us. We are his his heirs. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Isn't that amazing? How many people don't know Jesus, and yet their body groans to know him? Come on. For in hope we've been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, which is Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. 
And there are so many people that don't feel qualified. I went through many years of my ministry thinking I do not feel qualified. I never walked in the authority that God gave me because I felt inferior, because I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I didn't have what it took. Even though he called me, even though people told me, oh, well, he's going he's gonna to give you everything you need. He's not going to give you... I mean, you can listen to a hundred sermons. You can read the Bible over and over and over again. You can hear and be mentored by some of the greatest people. But if you don't believe what God is doing in you and what he wants to do, it makes no difference whatsoever. If we don't own what God says about us, if we don't identify with him, nothing we hear or do makes a difference. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Isn't that amazing? Jesus wants siblings. Come on. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. He gave us heavenly dignity. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who also intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or peril or sword just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? How many promises are in that chapter? Come on. <laughs> are you good enough? Do you have what it takes? Will you get it perfect? Will you get it right? Does God really love you? Do you know how many times I was told that he loved me? Do you know how many times I read that he loved me? But I never believed it until he told me.
until I heard him say, I love you. You're my chosen one. I mean, we've done a lot of things for the Lord. We've, 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 and none of it really matters in the end. I just want, I just want to be his. I want him to be my identity. Not what the world says, not what the enemy says, not what I say. I want to know what he says about me. And we can't really be separated and truly understand what God wants for us until we know what he says about us. Until we know how he feels about us. Amen? Each and every person has a purpose. What did you post on Facebook, Michael? Just yes, was it yesterday? There's not one person. Well, I've never seen anyone that Jesus wasn't crazy about. Yeah. And neither have you. Amen. Amen. Come on. There's not one person in this world. I don't care who it is. Every single one of us are created in his image for him. And every one of us were separated by sin at one point in time. But there's not a single one of us that's not redeemable. And there's going to be problems. And man, when you say yes, there's a whole lot of them. <laughs> It's not easy. It's not prosperity preaching. <laughs> I mean, I like that, like the whole prosperity thing, but it's just, it sounds good anyways. I remember there was a time in my ministry I'd preach, and I'd preach something. I remember there was three or four times I'd preach, and I don't care if I lost my job tomorrow. Guess what happened? I lost my job <laughs> twice. It happened twice. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I said, you know what? I'm just going to preach about prosperity from now on. <laughs> we'll see. I don't care if I win the lottery tomorrow. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it did. I'm like, I'm going to stop preaching. Everything that happens, happens because God wants to take us deeper. Everything that's ever happened to us, God took us deeper. I can't think of anything that happened that God didn't act or move or do anything. I mean, there's a lot that I already left out and just remember and thinking through, but I've just, God wanted me to, God wanted me to go here, so. There's more to my testimony, but there's more that happened. But the beautiful thing is, is God is in control. And there's nothing that you can do or anybody else can do that separates us from him. Come on. There's hope for everybody. What if we looked at people and every time we looked at them, we saw the hope that Jesus saw in them? What if we saw what God saw? What if we saw the potential? 
What if we saw he wanted to do instead of seeing brokenness, instead of seeing the surface? There's a strip club across the street. I mean, come on. It drives me nuts. The most, and I'll be done with this, is when you get a bunch of Christians in a room and they complain about the world. It drives me nuts. There's a lot of bad in the world, of course. There's a lot of bad 2,000 years ago in the world. There's always going to be. But what if we got in a room and said, how can we change things? Instead of going, man, did you see this or did you see that? Or What if we got in a room and said, how can we love them? How can we reach out to them? How can we make a difference? How can we be Jesus? Because the word says that we're conformed to his likeness. I don't think Jesus looked at anybody and said he's a lost cause. Amen. Lord, I pray right now. I pray that we'd see ourselves through your eyes. Lord, we can ask for for sight of other people in your eyes, Lord, but I pray right now that we would see ourselves the way that you see us. I think that's the hardest thing we can do is to forgive us, to see the potential that you've put in us. I pray, God, that each one of us would step into the authority that you've granted us as heirs to the throne, as heirs of yours, Lord, as your kids. I pray that we would step into the anointing, that we would step into the promise that you have for us, God, that we would choose this day to stop listening to lies, to stop allowing everything else around us to control our emotions and who we are, but that we would choose